I should have mentioned uh, as the sheets, uh, the words on the front of your sheet say, as you can tell, we uh, will be remembering the Lord's death uh, around the Lord's table immediately after this service. So uh, all believers baptized since conversion are, are welcome uh, to take part in that. But uh, if you uh, don't fit into that category, uh, don't worry, you are very welcome to stay and simply observe. That is fine. Uh, so that will be immediately after this service. We've just sung uh, about Emmanuel, and I don't know uh, what you thought even of uh, some of the things in that hymn, Uh, some strange phrases which maybe do not make much sense to you. Well, hopefully, uh, after uh, these messages in Isaiah, you will understand better uh, what that hymn is all about. Uh, But I want to start this morning by asking you, uh, what are you afraid of this morning? Uh, What anxieties do you have? Uh, Perhaps the uh, current energy crisis uh, is making your bills high and you are nervous about what it will mean for you financially, especially over the winter period. Uh, Perhaps you're struggling to support your family and you feel the weight of uh, making ends meet. Uh, Perhaps you're in a relationship that is on the rocks. It's not going as well as it perhaps has in the past and uh, perhaps there are serious problems that you are battling with this morning. Uh, Perhaps you're anxious about the global situation and the possibility of worldwide war. And perhaps that is what grips your heart with anxiety and with fear. Well, that was exactly how the Israelites and the men and women of Judah were feeling at this time when these chapters of Isaiah were written. Uh, They too were feeling great anxiety and trepidation and fear. Uh, Look how the chapter began. It says, Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim, So his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. I love that phrase. I think we all know what that means. (laughs) Their hearts were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. You know that feeling when your heart sinks, when it shakes because of some anxiety that you have and your heart is moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. That is how the people of Judah felt. Uh, The northern countries above them, Syria and Israel, were threatening to invade them. Uh, At this time, there was a great giant empire, the empire of Assyria. And if you can imagine it, if you imagine uh, sort of my tummy area is Judah, so my shoulders and head area is Syria and Israel, Well, the Assyrian Empire stretched from about here right to that wall and probably beyond. It was this huge, mighty empire which threatened to swallow up Israel, Syria, and Judah. 
And as nations do in times such as this, they started to form alliances. And the northern countries of Syria and Israel joined together in a pact. But they wanted the southern kingdom of Judah to join with them. And if they would not join them willingly, they would make them join by force. And so that's the situation that King Ahaz, the king of Judah, and all the people of Judah are finding themselves in at this time. There's this huge global, from their point of view, empire, Assyria, which is threatening to annihilate all of them. But they also have these northern bordering countries who are seeking to take them over to try and gather some sort of resistance to the great empire of Assyria. And they're terrified. They wonder what is going to happen next. Uh, It's not too dissimilar from the situation we find ourselves in. There are differences. Uh, But we have Russia, uh, of course, um, attacking Ukraine and threatening in other ways. And other nations, the nations of NATO, are forming their alliance to try and withstand any attack that may Come And so we are familiar with the uncertainty and the anxiety that such a situation might bring. So Ahaz is scared. Ahaz the king is terrified about what is going to happen next. But God isn't terrified. God is not scared. And he sends to King Ahaz a messenger, uh, the prophet Isaiah. And he comes with Isaiah to, or he sends Isaiah to tell Ahaz that he does not need to be afraid. Uh, He does not need to fear Syria. He does not need to fear Israel. And he does not need to fear the giant empire of Assyria. Because God is with him. Uh, Imagine it uh, something like this. It's a bit like uh, a family. And imagine a family caught in a uh, tremendous storm. And uh, the father builds a safe, secure hut for them to shelter in. And they all huddle, huddle in this hut Terrified from the storm outside, but safe inside. And their father promises the whole family and says, as long as we stay in this hut, we are safe, we are secure. You do not need to be afraid. But Ahaz is like a teenage son in that hut who is not so sure he trusts his father. And he is insisting that he must go elsewhere for help. They can't stay in this hut. They're not safe. It could fall down at any moment. And God is like that father seeking to reassure his son, no, you are safe. Stay here and no harm will come to you. God does not want Ahaz to be afraid. It's the same for us today. God, likewise, does not want us to be afraid. And so what I'd like to do with the rest of our time this morning is look at the message which God gives to Ahaz 
and see how it uh, applies to us. Uh, so the first part of God's message to Ahaz is simple. And he says, do not be afraid. Now look at verse 4. God says to Isaiah, say to him, that's Ahaz, take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. Uh, Ahaz is terrified of these two countries, Syria and Israel, and their kings. Uh, the king of Syria was a man called Rezin. Uh, the king of Israel was a man called Pekah, who was the son of Remaliah. That's who he is in this passage. And Ahaz is terrified of what they are going to do. And he looks around and he sees their army. He sees their forces. He sees that they are much, they are much bigger nations than he himself is in Judah. But how does God describe them? God describes them as two stubs of smoking firebrands. Uh, if you've lit a match and blown it out, and if you watch a match after you've blown it out, it kind of glows red for a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, there's a little kind of spark still left there, but it's about to go out. It's smoking. It's gone, essentially. And that's what God says Israel and Syria are like. They're like a match that has blown out. Yes, there's a little bit of lingering life there, but it's not going to last long. That's what those nations look like from God's point of view. From Ahaz's point of view, they look fearful. They look terrifying. He's scared. But from God's point of view, they're just two smouldering matchsticks, not worthy to be afraid of. And he says to Ahaz, be quiet, be at peace, do not be afraid or faint-hearted of these two nations. They are nothing to me. And God says the same thing to us. Uh, we can look around, and we can see lots of things around us to make us afraid. Uh, we can see uh, global forces. Uh, we can see mighty nations, China, Russia. Uh, we can see their nuclear weapons, and we can be afraid. Uh, it can be uh, other sorts of things, not physical things, but things like sickness and ill health. Financial difficulties, uh, relationship difficulties can be terrifying to us. And we look at them and we think, how can I possibly escape? Uh, this is too hard for me. This is terrifying. But God says to us, we do not need to be afraid. We are safe in him. Nothing of ultimate harm can come to anyone who trusts in him. Now listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, If God be is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation 
or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Do you hear what Paul is saying? He's not saying, by the way, that God will protect us from these things, or will prevent these things from affecting us. Um, Christians suffer distress. There are Christians in Ukraine right now, and in other places, Uh, Christians suffer persecution, go to North Korea, go to Iran, uh, go to many other nations of the world, and Christians suffer persecution. Uh, He says famine. Uh, Christians die of hunger like other people as well. Nakedness, peril, sword. These things affect believers as much as they affect unbelievers. God isn't saying he will protect us from all these things all the time. Sometimes he will, but not always. But he says that God will save us through them, if not from them. Paul is saying that distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril and sword cannot separate us from God's love. Christ will always love us regardless what struggles we go through in life, what griefs, what heartaches, what pain. And as he says in John's Gospel, I go to prepare a place for you, a home reserved in heaven. So there is no ultimate harm that can come to a believer. Life is not always easy. Life is sometimes hard and difficult, as Ahaz himself is experiencing in this chapter. But we need need not fear, we need not despair, because God works all things together for good in the end to all those who love and trust him. That's the first message to Ahaz and the message to us. Do not be afraid. God is watching over you and will bring you through in the end. But he has a second message for Ahaz. Uh, look at verse six, or look at verse five onwards. God says, "Because Syria, Ephraim—that's another word for Israel—and the son of Remaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, 'Let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its walls for ourselves, and set a king over them, the son of Tabel.'" Uh, what God's saying is, the kingdoms of Syria and Israel have made a plan. Uh, they've made a plan, they're going to go and make Judah join them by force. And they're going to kill the king, King Ahaz, and they're going to put a new king in his place. A man who's described here as the son of Tabel. Now you might be thinking, well, who, who's the son of Tabel? <laughs> who's this guy? Well, he's mentioned only once in the Bible here. And the answer is we don't know who he is. And it doesn't matter who he is. What matters is who he is not. He's the son of Tabel, not the son of David. And what God is saying to Ahaz is, Ahaz, you are the son of David, the great, 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 great grandson of David. And God had made a promise to the house of David, to David's dynasty, that David would always have a descendant to sit on the throne of Judah. And Ahaz is a descendant of King David. God's made no promises to the son of Tabel. 
He's made no promises to Rezin, king of Syria. He's made no promises to Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel. But he has made a promise to David. He has made a promise to Ahaz that David will always have a king to sit on the throne of Judah. And so God is saying to Ahaz, you don't need to be afraid because I will look after David's house. Because David's house is my house. And I put my name on it. I promised to protect David's dynasty and I will. So he points Ahaz to his own promise. That's the second message for Ahaz. God will take care of his house. Remember again that family huddled in that hut in the storm. And the father assures them, this hut will stand. The storm will not destroy this place. And God says the same to Ahaz. You're safe. You are secure. Just trust me. You do not need to be afraid. And his promises uh, were not just for Ahaz. Uh, That promise still applies today because Jesus is the son of David. Later on in this passage, uh, God is trying to, or is seeking to uh, persuade Ahaz that he is trustworthy. Uh, Again, going back to that father in the hut, he's going to his teenage son and he's saying, just trust me. You can trust me. I'm telling you the truth. And God says to Ahaz, ask whatever sign you like. Ask whatever miracle you like, and I will give it to you if that's what it takes to make you trust me. He says, ask, in verse 11, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. He says, ask to make the sky pink. Ask to make the sea purple. Ask whatever you like. I just want you to trust me. But Ahaz reveals his heart in response. Uh, He says in verse 12, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Uh, Ahaz is actually quoting from the Bible, because back in the book of Deuteronomy, God said to Israel they should not test God, they should not tempt God. And so Ahaz says, oh, I wouldn't dream of testing God, I wouldn't dream of tempting God by asking him for a sign. But Ahaz is playing games with God. That verse in Deuteronomy does not count when God himself has asked you to ask for a sign. God has given permission to Ahaz to ask whatever sign he likes. The truth is, Ahaz isn't spiritual. Ahaz isn't holy. Ahaz doesn't care what Deuteronomy says. Ahaz just simply doesn't want to trust God. He's more inclined to trust what his eyes see, the armies of Syria, the armies of Israel, the army of Assyria. That's where his hope is in, because that's what his eyes can see. He doesn't want to trust a God he cannot see. He doesn't want to trust in promises which he cannot taste and touch and feel. He doesn't want to trust God. And God starts to lose patience with uh, Ahaz. 
Isaiah loses patience and God with him. And in verse 13, Isaiah says, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God is saying to Ahaz, my promises will stay true regardless of what you do or do not do. Uh, I have a king coming. Uh, it's interesting, if you look in the book of First and Second Kings, uh, I know in fact, sorry, First and Second Chronicles, uh, you read that every king of Judah, or nearly every king of Judah, has his mother's name mentioned. It's unusual. Uh, no other king of Israel gets that. Um, but every king of Judah has his mother mentioned. And it's because of the promise which God gave so many years before that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. And God is uh, saying to Ahaz here, I will keep my promise. You may not believe. You may be a poor example of a son of David, but a better son of David is coming. And his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. He's showing Ahaz that he is faithful to his promises even when Ahaz is not. So that's the second thing that God has to say to Ahaz. I'm trustworthy. I keep my promises. But then we come to the third and last thing that God says to Ahaz. And this is uh, a warning that he has for him. Look at verse 9. God says to Ahaz, the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Jesus says to Ahaz, if you will not believe, you will not be established. God is saying to Ahaz, I'm going to keep my uh, side of the promise. I'm going to protect the house of David. I'm going to bring a saviour who is going to be the saviour of the world. But you, Ahaz, might miss out on the benefit. If you don't trust me, you will miss out on the benefit for yourself. Uh, Let's go back again to the family uh, huddled in the hut. And the father is trying to persuade his teenage son who is wanting to go outside, who is wanting to find other help outside that hut. And his father is saying to him, you can't. Don't go outside. You are not going to be safe outside. You are safe here. You're safe in the warmth and in the security of this hut. But if you go outside, it's not safe. If you go outside, you're in danger. I can protect you here. I will not protect you out there. That is, in essence, what God is saying to David, saying to King Ahaz. He says, unless you trust in me, you will not be established. And again, the same is true of us. Um, God is trustworthy. God always keeps his promises. But we can put ourselves out in the cold. We can put ourselves outside the scope of God's promises. That's why Jesus said, whoever believes on me has eternal life. If you don't put your trust in Christ, you are not safe. 
If you do not believe on him, if you do not believe on the promises God gives through him, then you are, as it were, like that teenage boy outside the hut. Uh, You are not safe. You're out in the storm. You're out in the colds. You are at peril from all the dangers which Paul spoke of in Romans chapter 8. For the believer, perils and nakedness and famine and sword, all those things, the worst they can do is end your physical life. But then you have eternity with Jesus Christ. But for the unbeliever, those things can take your very soul because they send you to an eternity of judgment away from God. That is the seriousness of what God is saying to Ahaz. He's begging him, trust me. And God says the same to us. Christ says the same to us. He says, come to me, trust in me. There is safety and there is security in me. But when I say Uh, trust in Jesus. Don't misunderstand what I mean. Uh, I don't mean just a kind of fuzzy feeling of affection. Uh, Most people in this country, perhaps, have a kind of fuzzy feeling of affection. Christmas time, they look at the baby in the manger. Um, They see the donkey looking in. Uh, They look at Mary and Joseph and they think, oh, isn't that sweet? Uh, Isn't that beautiful? That's not what it means to trust in Christ. That's sentiment. Uh, That doesn't count for anything in the long term. To trust in Jesus means to build your life on him. To say, no matter what my eyes are telling me, no matter what dangers are around me, I'm going to trust what God says rather than what I feel. No matter what temptations I meet with, And no matter what dangers I might face, I'm going to put my trust in what Christ says in his words. That's what it means to trust in him. As Christ himself said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I tell you? Uh, If you trust Christ, you will want to do, you will seek to do what he tells you, because you trust him. Why would you disobey him If you trust him, by disobeying him, you show that you do not trust him. You trust your own thoughts. Otherwise, you would obey him. It makes perfect sense. And Jesus is saying to us, trust me. I can look after you. I can give you whatever you need. Do not be afraid. That's a question I'd like to leave uh, each and every one of us with this morning. Now, as we go through, we're going to continue in these chapters and we will learn more about what God has to say to the people of Judah and to us as well. But the question I want to leave us with is do you trust Christ? What are you afraid of this morning? What are you fearing? What is it which is causing you to doubt Christ? And with all the authority of God, I'll say to you, do not be afraid. Simply listen to what Christ has to say to you, and you will be safe in the end. It may not be easy, the way may be hard, but it will always be the best way. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. 
And that's why I've chosen uh, as our last hymn, number 816. And this hymn, uh, once I find it, is a hymn which uh, expresses trust and faith in Christ. And it looks forward, not to some heaven on earth, but the joy and the heaven which God gives to all those who trust in him. So we'll close by singing 816. The sands of time are sinking. The dawn of heaven breaks. The summer morn I've sighed for. The fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight, but dayspring is at hand. And glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. So we'll stand to sing 816.